You know, this weekend, obviously, I, I hit on a little bit, is the end of summer officially, right? Because we know Labor Day is the last weekend. People are really traveling for the most part, and, and people are really starting to fall back into school and getting your, your, your groove on and your routine down and all those kind of things. And, and so, so this is really, summer really signifies rest, right? So this is kind of the last weekend of rest that people are going to have, right? Vacation season's over and people are really starting to get back into the grind. And, and that's the great thing about summer. But here's, here's what I want to encourage you is that oftentimes in the summer, we, we, we get out of some of those habits that are productive and important in our lives, right? I mean, think about church, church just kind of takes a backseat for some people and, 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 and maybe, you know, I I don't know what it may be for you, but you know, work obviously may take a backseat for some of you for a while. Maybe you've accrued your vacation and you're really starting to use that up during the summer. And, 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 you know, it's just, it's just one of those things where we've gotten just out of those habits, you know, for instance, my kids going back to school and, and one in particular, he, he, he forgot how to read over the summer. You know what I mean? It's just one of those habits where he goes back to school. You're like, Oh my gosh, have you learned anything? <laughs> like, and then you look at yourself like, I have sucked as a parent. I have not helped this kid grow. He's, I, I don't know what to do. You know what I'm talking about? Don't judge me, but just feel me, okay? Right? So it's one of the, you just kind of get out of those habits. You know, our, our, he got out of the habit of reading. He got out of the habit of writing. And, and it, it, that is the last thing on his mind during the summer. And so, so he forgot some of those principles and things. So he's kind of having to relearn. And I think, I think that's what, what we're going into a season now where we need to start getting back in our habits. We need to start getting our church flow back. We need to start getting our small group flow back. We need to start getting our relational flows back and start getting back into those habits that are going to help us be productive in our spiritual walk as well as in our, our business place and in our families and in all those kind of things. So, so that's kind of because Hebrews kind of hits on that. Hebrews 10.25 says this. So today, I guess, who's got your back would be the title of my message. But in Hebrews 10.25, it says this. In Hebrews 10.25, in Hebrews 10.25, it says something. I'm going to read it to you anyway. How's that? It says, let us not give up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing. So basically it said, listen, don't grow weary. Don't, don't give up meeting together because some of you are in the habit of not meeting together. That's what he's saying. So don't, don't give up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing. Like you're, you're used to not being involved in a small group. You're used to not going to church on a regular basis. Maybe, maybe 21 days of prayer and fasting, you kind of just skipped out on that one, right? You, don't grow and don't, don't, don't make that a habit. Get back in the habits of doing the right things. But let us encourage one another just seeing if it was there yet. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So I just want to encourage you that, that who's got your back today? We need to start getting back into our flow and getting back into those productive things. And, you know, I just want to pull from Scripture, um, which I always think Scripture is a great place to start. Um, I don't know about you, but this is kind of, kind of the, the constant in my life. So we, I go back to Scripture anytime I need to, need to figure out what to do in my life. And so let's do that, shall we? We might have these verses. How about 1 Samuel 14? 1 Samuel 14. We're looking at verses 1 through 15. 1 through 15. And, and, and here's what it says. Now understand that the Israelites, you know, this is Saul, Jonathan, David. You know David killed Goliath. Any of you know those stories? And, and Saul was the first king that Israel ever had. Um, those of you may not be as familiar. So all the other, all the other territories around Israel had kings. And and, and 
Israel was unique because they were able to actually hear from God. They had prophets who spoke the words of God to people. They didn't go to a king. They didn't need a king. They had the king, right? So, so here is, here's the Israelites and they're looking around. They're like, man, these people have kings and they have palaces and they, they have authority and government structures and systems and real people and, and, and that we can actually see and besides this God thing and only these prophets. So we want a king. And God's like, no, you don't want a king. Trust me. You do not want a king. He said, yes, we want a king. No, you don't want a king. And they fought back and forth. And God's finally, finally have your king. Go ahead and have your king. How's that worked out for America so far? Amen. See, we didn't want kings. God said you don't want kings, but, but we have kings. And, and, and this is the problem with, with, that's come all the way through society today. So here we have Saul, right? Jonathan is Saul's son. Saul was the first king, Jonathan being his son. And, and here, here, starting in verse 1, it says, Now detachment, I'm sorry. Now detachment of Philistines had gone out of the pass of Michmash. One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, so basically I had this guy that followed him around and did stuff for him, like his butler, right? That's pretty cool. Come, let us go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. So he's going out on a sneak attack, right? Skip down to verse 4. It says, on each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine's outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozes and the other Sena. Right? So back down, skipping to verse 6. It says, Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come. Let us go over to the outposts of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. How's that for faith? Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said, come on then. We will cross over today, uh, cross over toward them and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will say, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine, the outpost. They're like, hey, hey, over here, guys. Hey, guys. You know, we're over here, right? I don't know why I had that voice, but they did. My mind's a very weird place to be in sometimes. It said, look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews were crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to the armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. So Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet. Isn't that cool? Like ninja stuff. Like he's scaling a cliff with his hand. I mean, that's what he's doing. This is like the, that's pretty cool stuff. Ninja, man, I'm telling you. So Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet and his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. Going down to verse 15, then panic struck the whole army, those in the camp and field and those in the outposts and raiding parties, and the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. Come on, this is cool stuff. This is really cool stuff when you put yourself in this place, man, what happened here. Here's the thing. All because two men were in relationship with each other, an entire army was gutted. Isn't that pretty cool? All because two men were in relationship with each other, an entire army, the Philistine army, was destroyed. It's a pretty cool thing. Because here's what I want you to take away today. Is God has big dreams for your life. Who believes that? God has big dreams for your life. And listen to me, if I've learned nothing in my 41 years on this earth, is you will never achieve those dreams if you do not have the right people surrounding you. 
You've got to have right people behind you because what God wants to do in your life is contingent upon the people he puts in your life. Right, let me say it again. What God wants to do in your life is contingent upon the people he puts in your life. Let me say it another way. It says godly, here's it is, where's that? Godly inspiration requires collaboration, which cannot happen in isolation. Stop, collaborate and listen, listen. All right, come on, you Vanilla Ice fans, you know where you're at. Godly inspiration requires collaboration, which cannot happen in isolation. And listen, I feel that that the way, you know, I see things happening, social media and all those kind of things, people are really beginning to isolate themselves from culture, right? The sky is falling, chicken little, right? We're, everywhere we go, it's, we're, we're, we're starting to isolate ourselves from people. We are surrounded by people everywhere, yet we're still alone. We're still alone. Listen, no one knows your dreams, no one knows your struggles, or no one even knows your, fail, your, your failures, and nobody has your back. And what I want to talk to you, I said the message today is called, Who Has Your Back? Say it with me. Who has your back? Who has your back? Who has your back? Because you, can, you, you, you know the experience has taught me that in life, life can make or break you. Relationships can make or break your life. It's just the way it is. You're never going to rise above the level of your relationships. I can say it this way. Show me your friends. I'll show your, show me your future, right? Come on, young people. Show me your friends. I'll show your, your, your future. It's just the fact. Whoever you surround yourself, you're going to become like, and you've got to find out. You've got to surround yourself with the right people. If you're going to attain the vision and the dream that God has given you for your life, you're never going to rise above the level of your relationship. That's why we have small groups. I talked about earlier. It's not a program that we do. It's a lifestyle that we live because we believe that life is better lived in circles than it is in rows. It's, and it's important to your growth as a Christ follower and the sanity as a human being. It just is. To have somebody to talk to is important. Well, I don't need anybody. That's not true. You absolutely do need people. You cannot tell me you don't. Well, I'm kind of a loner. Listen, Adam was with God, with God, the creator of the universe. He was with God. And what did God say? It is not good that man is alone. So he created another human being for God, for Adam to do life with. It is important because God says it's important, not because Buddy says it's important, because that's the system that God designed. He realized that people need each other. We have got to have relationship with other people. So, so, so here's some tools I want to give you to, to, that, to help you choose the people you surround yourself with, okay? And it, it's, it's coming straight out of this text. And, and because, again, I believe... I believe that God has dreams he's placed in your heart that depend upon the people that you surround yourself with. So number one, here we go. You guys ready? Okay, I'm going to wait. I can wait. You guys ready? All right, here we go. You got to surround yourself with people, someone that challenges your mentality. Someone that challenges your mentality. Listen, the mentality of Israel at the time, read the text. What were they doing? They were hiding in holes in mountains. They were in caves. They were in hiding. So here's the Philistine army knocking at the door like, come out, come out wherever you are. And they're like, nope, come find us because we ain't coming out. 
They were scared to death. They were, they were used to just being mediocre. They didn't care about going after the thing that was in front of them. They just wanted to live their life and let everybody just leave me alone. Just let me do my own thing. I'm just going to go to work and I'm going to go home and I'm going to pull in my garage and I'm going to watch TV and I'm going to get up and I'm going to do the same thing the next day. And I will do this for the next 30 to 40 years until I retire. Right? That, that is the mentality. Is we're just going to hide ourselves in our hole called our home and we're going to isolate ourselves in front of the TV and we're not going to touch anybody. That's kind of the, what's going on here with the Israelites, right? Medioc- mediocre was accepted. But here's what I want you to know. Mediocre is not extraordinary. And I believe that God has called you to live a life of extraordinary. Come on, somebody. He's called you to live a life of extraordinary. And that's not going to happen when we accept the status quo, when we accept mediocrity as the standard. God wants to change the world through you and I. Listen, you missed it. God wants to change the world through you and I. Right? And he's not going to do it by you living a mediocre life, by us settling for mediocrity. He's going to do it when we begin to stretch ourselves toward extraordinary. And God has an extraordinary life for you. He wants to change it. Listen, but, but I don't blame. Listen, our culture, our culture rewards average, doesn't it? Let's be honest. I mean, I used to coach rec league baseball. We won the championship both years I coached. Just want to let you know. Not to brag or anything, but we did. You know what I hate about rec league? I hate it with a passion. Every freaking kid gets a trophy. What? It drives me nuts. It, it just, it really, I'm coaching kids and I'm just like, oh, don't, you know, they're, they're crying in the outfield, picking their nose, you know, and then mommy runs out to him, oh, what's up, junior? And I'm sitting there going, leave the kid alone. He's got to learn a lesson. So what if he gets hit in the head of the ball? He'll learn to get his mat up. He, he will. It only takes a couple times for you to get hit before you're like, oh, I got this thing with leather on my hand. I should use it. Let him get hit a couple times. It's okay. It's okay. I promise they'll survive. And, and, and it's just, it, it's a thing. So it's, it's, hey, hey, man, I know you cried the whole time. Man, I hope you feel better about yourself. Here's a trophy. Really? Listen, Johnny doesn't need a trophy. What Johnny needs is baseball training in a backbone. That's what Johnny needs. Don't judge me, people. It's true. It's true. Because there are some people just don't win. It's the facts, right? Some people just don't win. Some people need to learn how to lose. I've learned more from losing than I ever have winning. Come on, guys. This is a good place to say amen because you guys have too. We always learn more from losing than we ever do from winning because there aren't winners and there are losers in this life. End of discussion. It happens, right? And now here's the problem is that they're in the workforce and they're barely showing up and then they're wondering where their medal is, right? Hey, I showed up three days this week. Yeah, but you're supposed to be here five. Here's your pink slip. But what do you mean? I tried. No, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You actually didn't try at all. So listen, find some people in your life that will challenge the status quo. Find them and surround yourself with them. I've got three guys in my life for sure that every time I call them, like, man, I'm like, well, have you done this? How are you doing that? What are you doing? Oh, man, I just don't want to do that anymore. Well, do you want to achieve the dream that God's given your heart or not? Yes. Okay, well, then do what I told you to do. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Even though this is going to hurt and I don't want to do it. And right now, I would like some mediocre in my life. I'm just going to be honest with you, right? There's just some times I just want to chill. I don't want to grow anymore. I just want to enjoy where I'm at. Can I just be on this plateau? Right? Do you know what I'm saying? But listen, get people in your life who will not allow you to plateau. We're going to say, Go okay, great. God moves you from glory to glory. It's time for you to get to the next step. Yeah, you achieved this. That's great. But what have you done for me lately? Let's move. Let's enjoy. Let's celebrate. But man, we're moving. We can't stay where we're at. We've got to keep going. Amen? You've got to surround yourself that. Find people in your life. Listen, and it all starts with vision. 
It all starts with vision because Proverbs 29, 18 says what? Without vision, people die. Without vision, people die. You've got to have vision in your life. Do you know why your life's mediocre? Because you don't have vision outside your retirement. That's not what God designed you to do. Remember the illustration I had with the, with the rope a couple weeks ago? The rope is your eternity, but we're, we're living our lives for this much of our, li- of, of the, of our eternity. We're, so, we're, we're spending our whole lives saving up for retirement so that we can spend 20 to 30 years living happily ever after and then die. Really? There's so much more, but we got millions and millions and millions of years to be with Jesus. And this is what we're focusing on. Listen, you've got to get a vision outside of your nose. You've got to give a vision and find people to do that because we don't have a generational crisis in America. What we have is a vision crisis in America. We need vision. So you need somebody who's going to challenge your mentality. And the second thing you need is you've got to have somebody that stretches your spirituality, stretches you spiritually. See, listen, we look back in the text. Jonathan stretched the faith of his armor bearer. I love the word in the verse. Let me find it. I can't, I, I don't remember it is. Uh, Jonathan said, do all you have in mind? Come on. Anyway, it says perhaps. There's a part in here where he says perhaps. He says perhaps. But maybe. Maybe this will work. Maybe we'll find a way. Maybe God will grant us favor. Maybe we'll defeat the army. But maybe we'll die. Perhaps. In that faith-filled state. But perhaps. Like, who's going to follow? Number one, it's one guy and another guy. Two guys going to face an entire army. He goes, well, why don't you come follow me, man? Perhaps we'll have success. Man, that's pretty crazy, isn't it? I mean, really think about what's happening in the natural. Two guys are going up an entire army. Two guys. That's crazy. You wouldn't do that. I, 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 if, I, if Alex was like, hey, buddy, we're going to go attack uh, you know, ISIS today, just me and you. Perhaps we'll make it. Okay. I got your back way, way back, right? I mean, seriously, I don't know. And this is exactly what's happening right now. For real, what's happening. So, so, so he says, perhaps, who knows? Maybe God will help us. Maybe he won't. See, and the thought of that makes you very uncomfortable, doesn't it? In your life, in your life, it makes you very uncomfortable. Because listen, you don't want the perhaps. You want the, I know. I know this is what's going to happen. I can see that this is what's going to happen. On paper, this looks like a great plan. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know that this, if things go well, this will work this way. We want to know. We don't like the perhaps. The perhaps is pretty, pretty scary. It has to make sense to us, doesn't it? Let's be honest. That's where we live in our world and even where our Christian life is stagnant right now because we want to live in the, we want to live in the now and then rather than the perhaps. You know, just like when, when we started Legacy Church, man, you know, I, I, I moved here from Texas. I'm from, I'm from the west side, west side of Columbus originally. But, but, but we, we, left tech, we left, moved in Texas. We lived in Pennsylvania and Texas and Missouri. We, we were gone for the first 10 years of our marriage. And, and man, so when I came back, we didn't know anybody. You know, it was just, it was just one of the, all of my friends had, had kind of dissipated and half of them don't love Jesus. So they weren't going to be a good people to start a church with, you know? And so I, and the other half, we're all going to other churches. So I was like, well, I don't know what to do. So man, I, when God called us to start a church, I just had a vision. I just had a vision. I had a vision to start Legacy Church. God gave me a vision to start Legacy Church in Canal Winchester. And I'm like, okay, well, what's that mean? Well, we're going to help those that are far from God realize they don't have to be cool. I'm down with that. Now who's going to help me? Well, it doesn't matter. I got your back. 
That's what God was saying. You just need to be faithful and do what I've called you to do. Just start the process. So we got to start the process with an organization called the Ark. And, and, and you, with the Ark, you've got to have 35 people and raise $30,000. And I don't know how to raise money. And I didn't know people. So, hey, let's go start a church. This is going to be awesome. Right? And, and so, so, man, in faith, we just, we and my wife, we just believed it was going to happen. We went out and got certified and came back in June of 2013, and we just started going for it. Not a soul. We're like, hey, I mean, we knew some people, but, but you know what? I'm, we just didn't know enough people, and we didn't know the right people that you need to know. And so we're like, man, let's just call up everybody we know and, and see if they want to join the team. And I'm calling people from other states and like, hey, come move with us. And they're like, no, we're not going to do that. I'm like, oh, that's great. Thanks, Jesus. Leave me hanging. And so we needed 35 people. December 15th was our deadline. We had to get 35 people and $30,000. And I remember December 15th was that Monday because in order for us to get the money in our account and have enough time to get it, by, so we launched on January 24th. That's when everything had to come together. We didn't have it all. That Sunday night was December 14th. We needed it by that morning. I'm like, oh my gosh, Jesus, you said to do this and I don't know what's going to happen. But I walk by faith and not by sight. And all I know is that that, that, that night, this guy, Theo, he runs our soundboard. He's not here today. He's in Hawaii. We all hate him right now. But, hi, Theo, if you're watching. Theo walks up to our door. Never met him in my life. He's like, here you guys are planting a church. Need some help? Come on in. <laughs> you could be a stalker. I have no idea who you are, but yes, you're on the team. Right? I mean, it didn't. And then, and, then, and then three more people showed up that I'd never met in my life. So we had four people walk through the door. That's the exact number we needed in order to have our 35. And then we were still short money. And all I know is the guy that was helping us with childcare, his, his mom and dad handed him a check. He walks in the house and he looks at me. He said, here, here, buddy. And he hands me a check. It's a check for $1,000. I'm like, huh, this is pretty cool, unexpected. It had the exact amount we needed to hit our mark. Everything happened. But we didn't walk by knowing. We were in the perhaps Perhaps if we go after God, perhaps if we decide to start a church, perhaps if we talk to enough people, perhaps God will make this thing happen. Perhaps. And beyond the shadow of the day, and I didn't know. I, I had no idea if this thing was going to work ever. There's still days I'm like, I don't know if this is going to work. But perhaps, perhaps God will get us through this. Perhaps God will make it happen. January 24th, the rest is history, 2014. We started a church called Legacy Church. Come on, somebody. That's a great place to play. But what I want to encourage you is that without faith, say faith, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You cannot please God without faith. If you're not walking in faith right now, you're not pleasing God. That's what the Bible says. So where do you need to get some faith in your life? Where do you need to step out in faith in your life? You've got Hebrews 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For So all you list people, this really, you have a problem with this verse. For all you administrative types, you're like, nope, <laughs> I need my spreadsheets and I got to have my list and I got to have my, my reports and I got, it's got to make sense, right? Right? No, 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 it doesn't. Without faith... It is impossible because faith is a substance of things you can't put on a spreadsheet. Faith is a substance of things that you cannot put in a document. It's the things, it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that you cannot see. That's what faith is. But listen, most of I'm more comfortable operating in the realm of the scene, aren't we? You got to have steps. You got to have systems. You got to have knowledge, right? But waiting for everything to line up, to, to know it, to have it all figure out. Listen, that's not faith. You know what? That's obedience, but it's not faith. It's not faith. 
And I want to challenge you today is we've got to live in faith. Listen, when Paul, for those, Paul was, was an apostle. He, he wrote most of the New Testament. He's walking through the temple, right? Walking through the courts. And he looks at this man. This man said, hey, do you have any money? And the guy said, he, what Paul say? He said, silver and gold have I none, but get up and walk in the name of Jesus. You know what that is? Faith. He didn't know if that man was going to wait up and walk or not. What if he wouldn't have got up and walked? Well, he said, oh, well, here's a little bit of pocket land. Sorry, dude. I tried. He didn't. He said, in faith, he said, silver and gold have none, but get up in the name of Jesus and walk. And what happened? That man got up and he walked because Paul had faith. Moses had faith. If you don't know the story, Moses, he went before the Pharaoh. He had a stick, right? And God told him to throw the stick in front of the Pharaoh and it would turn into a snake, right? To show the power of God in his life. What if Pharaoh walked it? He didn't know. Moses pulled up and threw that thing to Pharaoh and tink, 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 and just sat there. Why are you throwing sticks at me, dude? Faith. Just a little bit of faith. You just need to have faith. The Bible says with faith as small as a mustard seed, you can look at that mountain and say, get out of my way. And it has to move. Look, he's not talking. It's not an allegory. He's talking to a literal mountain and he means it. When he says that, you can talk to a mountain and tell it to get out of your way. And it has no choice but to move by faith. Listen, you should get excited about this, people. This is good stuff. But you've got to start walking in faith. Listen, God has called us to step out into risks. You've got to have a risky kind of life. As a Christ follower, you've got to be risky. Listen, for some of you, the risk might be getting involved in a small group. Well, I don't, I don't really like being around people. I'm not really social. I don't know what to do with my hands when I'm in, in front of people, right? That might be awkward for you. That might be the risk that you need to take. It's time for you to get out of the comfort zone and into the faith zone. It's time. We've got to. And that is where the magic happens. Magic doesn't happen when you're in your comfort zone. Magic happens outside of your comfort zone every single time. You want to grow in your faith with God? Step out in faith and go after God with something. Go after it. So I'm asking you today, where do you need to take a risk? Where do you need to take a risk? Only you can answer that question, but you've got to find that out. Because here's what I know, that with men, all things are impossible. All things are impossible. But with God, all. Everybody say all. All things are possible. Who's got your back? Who's got your back? That's the question. See, when you have your vision in your life, you've got to have vision. You've got to have collaboration because it's never going to happen in isolation. You've got to have collaboration. Your future depends on the people God has placed in your life. Number three, you've got to have someone who supports you wholeheartedly. Someone who supports you wholeheartedly. This says that his armor bearer right here says that his armor bearer was with Jonathan heart and soul. Heart and soul. You have got to have people who believe in you wholeheartedly. And for some of you, listen, that means that you need to let some people exit out of your life. Because they don't believe in you wholeheartedly. You don't need that kind of negativity in your life. You don't need that kind of haterade in your life. I'm telling you right now. Get rid of them. You don't need them. You know, I have a friend of mine right now. His, his son just had to have back surgery and had pins that put down his, put down the, his spine. And he has, he has all these little uh, screws and this, this big long rod and, and all this stuff. And, and I went to visit him on Thursday night and we're in the hospital. And he's like, yeah, because my family doesn't even know. He, his, his, his dad, me and his dad are friends. And he's like, yeah, I didn't even tell my family. I was like, okay. He's, I just don't want that kind of negativity. I don't need negativity in this space right now. What I need are people who believe in faith that my son is going to be better. I don't need drama. I was like, that, that makes a whole lot of sense. See, he, he's surrounding himself with people. And I was honored to be a part of that, to be real honest with you. He's surrounding himself with people that will only speak faith. Because you don't need negativity in your life. Because even if you believe the truth, 
When that negativity, that spirit, that, that, that somebody starts coming into you, starts talking, then you all of a sudden have thoughts that you never had before, right? And then you're starting to think about scenarios like, well, maybe that is true. Maybe God doesn't want him to be healed. Maybe this isn't his plan. Maybe blah, blah, blah. Maybe blah, blah, blah. Well, he could get an infection and he could die. Blah, blah, blah. There's all those things that you never would have had to deal with if you just had the right people in your life. See, the devil, the devil knows that the greatest avenue in spiritual benefit of your life is people. And he works overtime to destroy your relationship. He does it every time because, because the hurt in your life is what's going to cause you to isolate your people. Because what it does is it destroys your capacity for intimacy. It destroys your capacity for intimacy. And the devil wants to do that because then what happens? Once you get hurt, you're not trusting people. You're not going to trust anyone anymore. You're not going to allow people into your world anymore. See, and that's what, look, here's what Jesus did. This story, and I'll tell you, Jesus real quick, he was on his way to heal. There's a guy named Jairus, and Jairus' daughter had died. And Jesus was on his way to heal, to raise that little girl from the dead. And you know what he did? He looked at his 12. He had his disciples, his 12 people. He looked at them. He said, you come with me. You come with me. You come with me. Judas, you're definitely not coming. We will talk about that later. But you three, come with me. The rest of you just want to stay here. He didn't even take the 12 with him. He took three of them. Because he knew. He just needed to isolate, insulate himself with the right people. Nine of his own staff were left behind. And he went and he prayed for his little girl and she got healed. But he didn't take everybody. He was very selective about the people that he allowed into his world at that moment. Listen, here's what you need to say. Isolation is not the same thing as insulation. Isolation is not the same thing as insulation. Isolation, you're alone. Insulation, you're surrounded. You need to insulate yourself with the right people. People that are going to protect you, people that have your heart, people that have your vision, people that understand what your goals and your dreams are and are willing to bring you there. And they're not going to speak negative about it. They're just going to support you and they're going to say, yes, you can. I believe that God has a call in your life. I believe that this is the Lord and we're going to help you get where you need to do. Isolation is protection is protecting your heart. See, but, but insulation, insulation is when you have those big faith moments, they're helping you get where you need to go. The big faith moments. And listen, there's always a cost. There's always a cost. It's going to cost something of you, and it's going to cost something of the other person. Listen, there was a big cost to the armor bearer. Let's, let's look at the cost he had, First uh, Samuel 13. We're going back a chapter. It says, there were no blacksmiths in the land. This is key. Of Israel those days. The Philistines wouldn't allow them for their fear they would make swords and spears for Hebrews. Okay, so Israelites did not have weapons. Next. Verse 22. Do we not have 22? Okay, I'll read it. So on the next, on the day of battle, none of the people of Israel had a sword or spear except for who? Saul and Jonathan. There were two people in the entire army that had a sword. That was it. Two. So, so, so Jonathan went to the army and said, hey, dude, we're going to go take on this army. You ready? Pull out your sword. And he's like, dude, I got nothing. But you know what he says? So I support you wholeheartedly. Listen, I'll, I'll, I'll attack. I, I, will, I will attack hell with a squirt gun if that's what it means. Because I believe in you, Jonathan. I believe what you stand for. I believe what God's called you to do. And I'm going to be here and I'm going to support you wholeheartedly. Heartedly. That's what you need is some people in your life. Because Jonathan was inviting the armor bearer into a battle he was not prepared for. 
He wasn't prepared for it. And you have to look for people who are with you no matter what, that it'll cost them heart and soul. They'll say, yes, I'm with you heart and soul. I believe with you. I'm locking shields with you. And we're going after this thing no matter what that means. No matter what the cost, we're going after this thing. That's what you need in your life. And, you know, quite honestly, man, you know, I, I do have three uh, overseers that are like that. But, man, my wife, Shelly, has been that for me, man. I, we have, I've drugged her across this entire country chasing a dream to help people who are far from God realize they don't have to be. I've done that. We've lived in five different states. You know how hard that is on a marriage? Well, don't ever try it. I'm telling you, it's difficult. It's a difficult thing. And then you put the spiritual battle of being in ministry and all those kind of things. And man, it makes things tough. But I will tell you, she loves me. She's committed to me, heart and soul. She will go wherever I want to go, wherever we want to do to make that happen. Because she believes in me and she believes the call of God on my life. That's the fact, right? You need to have some people in your life that believe that for you. Who is that for your life? And the fourth thing, the fourth thing is you got to have someone who helps you think strategically. Helps you think strategically. Because here's the thing, and here's here's your list, people. You're going to like this because you'll be able to breathe now a little bit. In moments of great risk, there has to be great planning. There has to be great planning. We're not talking about being foolish, right? God's not called us to be foolish, but he's called us to trust him. He's called us to trust him. It's like when me and my friends, there was a um, quarry somewhere out in Chillicothe area that we used to drive to and, and... we go and we jump off this thing. It was high, man. It was probably as high as that back wall. And you jump off that thing. You get up there and you would just, whew. I'd sit there for a while. And little girls would be jumping off. I'm like, I'm not ready yet. I'll be there in a minute. Just, and she'd lap me again, the little girls. I'm like, wow, this is making me feel really manly right now. But they were high, cliffs, right? And so, you know, after we got used to jumping off that thing, my friends got really uh, adventurous, and so they went to this other area. They're like, nobody's jumping off over here. I was like, there's probably a reason for that, dude. And they're, uh, they go up and they, they have to jump through trees and over trees to get there. Like, and, and they look out and they're like, hey, buddy, jump in the water and swim around and go deep and see if there's anything that we're going to hit. So I went and I jumped around. I, I jumped in the water and I, I, I swam around and, and I, I made sure that the area was safe. I was like, all clear, guys, go for it. And they, they literally just took off jumping in the water. They had no idea what was underneath it. Only they were, they were trusting what I said. They were trusting what I found. And thank God they both are still walking to this day. It was amazing. It was cool. But you know, that's a great picture of what faith is. See, you've got, God has called us to jump off a few waterfalls. He's called us to jump off a few waterfalls. As a matter of fact, the Christian life is not a lot of fun unless you're jumping off some waterfalls. I'm telling you that right now. If you're not jumping off waterfalls in faith, you're not having fun and you're not living this life to the fullest. I'm telling you. Like God has so much more to offer you. He has so much more out for you, but you've got to determine that you're going to jump. But, but you have to have people in your life that are saying, did you check the water? Right? Did you make a plan? Do you, do you know what's happening? Do you know what's on the other side? You've got to have people in your life. That's what my overseers do for me. I'll say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. I feel like God's calling us to do this as a church. And they say, okay, that's great. But have you thought about this? Well, no, I didn't. How about that? Yeah, probably not. What about this? Ooh, man. Well, okay, I really want to do this, but I think I got some things I need to take care of first. But I'm going to jump. 
and we're going to make it happen. But, but I've got some things that I need to take care of. That, that's why Proverbs 21, 5 says, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. So you've got to have planning. You've got to have work. You've got to jump, but you've got to plan for it. That's why Grow Track, we're starting Grow Track today. Right now, listen, if you want a free lunch, meet me in that back hallway after service. We're starting our Grow Track. And this is for me. This is the thing where it's like, okay, this is what I feel God's calling me to do. This is what. So you know what I did in January? I hired a consultant and we started working and planning. We've been planning for the last nine months on how to implement some of these strategies and systems for our church so that we can help people that are far from God realize they don't have to be. Because here's the deal is I know that God has a plan for you. God has a dream for you. He has something in your heart. And we want to help you achieve those dreams in your heart. What is your dream? And Grow Track is going to help you find that. I promise you, if you give me four weeks, the next four Sundays after service, if you'll give me the next four Sundays, I will promise you by the end of those four Sundays, you will know God, you will find freedom, you'll, make a di- you'll, you'll, you'll discover your purpose, and you will learn how you can make a difference with the gifts and callings that God's placed in your life. If you want that, meet me after service. Make it part of your life. Give me a half hour. Give me an hour. I'm sorry. Give me one hour, free lunch, and I promise you, you'll discover your purpose. See, because legacy is not about serving one man's vision. Legacy is about many people serving God's vision for your life. God has a vision for your life, but you've got to have the right people. And number five, you've got to have somebody in your life that propels you supernaturally. Somebody that propels you supernaturally. Because listen, I've learned this. With the right people in your life, you're going to find that you go further and faster than you ever would by yourself. Ever. You've got to have people. Two people defeated an entire army because they had relationships. They have a relationship with each other and they have a relationship with God. You've got to do that. Listen, understand this. There's no limit to what your life can accomplish in God's hands when you surround yourself with the right people. You've got to surround yourself with the right people. See, Jonathan was able to accomplish with one friend something that an entire army could not accomplish. With one friend, he did something an entire army could not accomplish. Look, 1 Samuel 14, it says, uh, 16 through 23, says, Sam's lookout in Gibeah of Benjamin saw a strange sight. The vast army of Philistines began to melt away in every direction. So Saul's looking out, and he's looking over out the mountaintop. He's looking at the ridge, the cliff, whatever. He sees the army melting away. He's like, what's going on? This, we, I didn't tell anybody to attack. See, Jonathan didn't tell his dad. So Jonathan's on this rogue mission, taking out an entire army with his armor bearing one weapon. And Saul's watching this happen. He's like, this, 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 is, this is weird. Then Saul and all his men assembled and went to battle. Their face started rising because of two men. Look, their face started rising. They found the Philistines killing each other. There was terrible confusion everywhere. Even the Hebrews who had previously gone over to the Philistines' army revolted and joined in with Saul, Jonathan, and the rest of the Israelites. Likewise, the men of Israel who were hiding in the hill country of Ephraim joined the chase when they saw the Philistines running away. Here's verse 23. So the Lord saved Israel that day. Listen, gang. The Lord wants to save our families. He wants to save our communities. He wants to save every city. He wants to save this state. He wants to save this country. He wants to save this world. He wants to impact it like you don't even know. But it cannot happen if we continue.
to live in isolation. It can't happen. It can't happen if we continue to cut ourselves off from people. The dreams that God has put in your heart depend on the people that you surround yourself with. So let's spend this fall getting back into the habit of getting connected. Connecting with God and connecting with each other. Can we pray every head bowed, every eye closed? Listen. There's some of you in this room right now, you're isolated. You're isolated from God. You're, you're, you're far from people. You're far from God. The product of your pain has been used to destroy your capacity for intimacy. Whatever you're struggling with right now, listen, I want you to understand this. God loves you completely. He's not mad at you because you're far, you're far from him today. Excuse me. All he wants is to be close to you. He wants to be close to you. That's all he's ever asked. That's all he's ever wanted. That's all his plan has ever been about is being close to you. He jumped off the cliff when he sent his son to die for you. He he, he wants relationship with you. If you'll get your relationship with him right, then all your other relationships are going to work out well. 